Hey everyone, I'm Jason V, and this is Local Color. For many of us, hobbies are things we do in our downtime. They help us unwind from a long day at work or allow us to flex our creative muscles. For Shannon Wallace, her hobby is a lifelong passion cultivated by a friendship that ended in tragedy. Growing up in Baltimore, Shannon never stayed in one place for too long. High school and college were difficult times for Shannon, and we discussed those difficulties along with hip-hop, camera hardware, and her lackluster feelings towards HBCUs in the United States. What part of Baltimore are you from? <laughs> what was it like growing up for you here? Um, you know, it was all right. I'm from Northeast Baltimore, my sister and I. Northeast, um, what part? What street? Shady Side. We live right off of Lock Raven, down gotcha. the street from uh, Morgan. Yeah, my aunt lives in Northeast on off of um, Burnwood. Burnwood. Yeah. Where is that? Is that closer to Hartford Road? Um, actually, it's literally like right around the corner from Morgan. If you go straight up. Um, Lock Raven. Yeah, it's right off. It's right. It's two. It's like three streets behind. Um, Good Samaritan. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, by Belvedere. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's actually talking. parallel. Uh -huh. But the you know the blocks are so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, blocks yeah. are like so long. Right. Well, what about you? What part of Baltimore are you from? East Baltimore, actually, Darley and Harford Road. Dar is that north, like further north or south? It's like like east, like beginning east. Um. It's right by Broadway. It's um right by the courthouse on North Avenue oh, in okay. Harford Road, where the Walgreens is. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Is there that restaurant? Is near that restaurant the Gift? I have no clue. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> you said Harford Road. Yep. So near Broadway. Harf and you know where the courthouse is on North Avenue in Harford Road. Isn't is that that's near the Department of Education? Or is am I? That's am like I, social services, and um, the Department of Education is the Board of Education, which is on like further down North Avenue. It's not that far from there, but it's not around there though. Okay, but it's closer towards Harford Road, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're right. Harford Road and Twenty Fifth. Okay, I know you're a real northeaster then. I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, cool. So if you go down, um, oh, I'm sorry, no, if you go up. Like the park or whatever is on the right hand side, and then you can make the left onto, fuck, what's it called? You can make the left on the. I can't remember the road, but you can get to Lake Montebello that way from Hartford Road. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And you lived there all your life. Actually, no, I lived a lot of places. Me and my mom, we bounced around a lot. We lived in Section Eight and stuff, so we lived in Garrison and Oford, which is Park Heights. We lived in O'Donnell Heights, which is like out dog. it was miserable out there <laughs> you didn't like it absolutely it's no i hated it because it's it's like cherry hill it's so out of the way it's so like its own forgotten you know community yeah it was nothing out there like the store was like a mile away and it was this crappy old grocery store and we had a mcdonald's and a travel plaza which is now i think like some club or something but it sucked out there 
the travel plaza so that's near like o'donnell street and yeah. 95 and stuff yes okay. yeah yeah we lived i lived on um north avenue in rosedale i live yeah i lived a lot of places but my home has really always been um off of dolly because my grandparents lived there for like 60 years are they so, still there now no my grandparents are actually deceased but i lived there until like 2011 i want to say 2012 Okay, and then most recently, now you're on... Um, I live in Columbia, Howard County now. Oh, you, ooh, you see that yeah. floor? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm moving back here, though. Uh-huh. I, I, I went out there just to get away. Sometimes you just got to, like, you know, the remove city... Yourself yeah, from, remove yourself from whatever's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I know about that. So that's what I did. Uh, what about what about coming up in, the, in school? Did you like school? Absolutely not. Why not? I like school for the social environment. For my friends, especially uh, high school, because I went to Edmondson, which is Old West, so I had to travel, and I knew a different different types of people. I didn't really know too many people in the Edmondson Village area. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it for social reasons, but as far as like school, I hated it. Um, I dealt with a principal and an English teacher who were homophobic, my Spanish teacher as well. And it's like growing up now, like being an adult, I kind of realized some of the wrong stuff that they done you know like sus- not suspending you in the correct way like you know just treating you certain ways i just realized that so much of the stuff that school shouldn't do mm-hmm. um so but i didn't realize it realize that in um, in school but i just didn't like school i didn't like what i was learning i didn't feel connected to it everything is about like being connected you know and i didn't feel connected to the history i didn't like the teachers and it was just bad because I remember in middle school, it was like 35 of us in one class. And it's like, how are you supposed to learn? You know, even in high school, the teachers just was collecting checks and the whole nine y'all. Like, I didn't like school at all. And plus, I just feel like they're hiding stuff and they try to make you comply. And when you don't comply, it's a problem. You know, right. they don't really care about your creativity and your expression. They just kind of want you to remove as robots and just listen to whatever they say. So I didn't like school at all. Yeah, I got you. Um, and college was, eh, college was college. Where'd you go to college? I went to Bowie State University. I didn't like it. I was an athlete at first. What? What? Uh, what basketball. Sport? Oh, basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to B Triple C, Baltimore City Community College. We went like um, went defeated, won two championships. We did really well. So I went to Bowie to play, and I didn't like the team. I didn't like the school. I just felt like it was just a. Thir- literally 13th grade the extension yeah of like all that shit that you had to put up with exactly before. and then it's like what made it even worse was college in college it's like you have the athletes who don't really know anything who just get by just because they're athletes and even though i was one i didn't get treated like an athlete you know in school i didn't like how the teachers just they they just dumb down their curriculum for for lazy students you know i just didn't like what Bowie was giving me, so I just kind of commuted. Got and, in and got out. Yeah, commuted and got in and got out. Really didn't have too many friends besides the people that I were in classes with, but mm-hmm. I didn't really like it at all because you kind of see the disparities between traditional white institutions and then historically black colleges. And yeah, um, Kondwani was talking about that when I interviewed yeah. him. He went to Virginia State. Yeah, we, we talked about it not too long ago because he went to Virginia State and he was like, yo, you know, 
I was like, I'm pretty sure that you had, it seemed like that you had a better college experience than I did because I didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you did like and you participated in events and you was part of a fraternity. So it seemed like that you had a better experience. But he was like, yeah, I did. But I didn't still, you know, I can just tell that it just wasn't what it should be or what the potential of a historically black college could be. Right. Yeah, now, so. do you feel as somebody who went to an HBCU, and I didn't ask him this, but I want to ask you now, do you feel like a lot of HBCUs just kind of live in the shadow of Howard and Howard is the, quote, standard of what an HBCU could be? If this was like five years ago, I could have said, yeah, but now Howard is actually losing its gift or its uh, reputation isn't what it used to be. Um, I just think that with historically black colleges, we're just not prepared to compete with white institutions. I don't think that the equity is there. Like the resources aren't there. Um, The demographic, of course, is different, but the demographic of teachers is also different. Um, I think that with like underfunding and things of that nature that teachers don't really care too much, which makes the students not really care. So it's just like a domino effect of everyone just like, uh, I'm just not going to put this much effort into it. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel some type of way about historically black colleges. I think that they're necessary, but at the same time, if we're going to have those institutions, we need to make sure that they can compete, you know, that they are up to par because what you learn in your freshman year is already expired by your junior year. And that's something that we need to attack and, you know, and fix. Okay. Well, I can say as a black person that went to a predominantly white institution, I graduated from Stevenson. I liked it. And I was also a commuter student, so I kind of know how you feel with not being as connected to campus life and school. Yeah, and you want that, you know, like it's college, you kind of want to be connected. But if you just don't feel invited or even Mm -hmm. feel interested, it's like, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not losing anything. Yeah. Um, When I was at Stevenson, I graduated in 2011 and I started going there in 2008, I think. I think every year that I kept going back, there was more and more black people. But then. I don't think there was a like an ASA or a BSA um, or was it BSU, like Student Union, Black mm-hmm. Student Okay. There wasn't one of them, I think, until after I graduated. And I was happy to see that. But, you know, maybe if there was something like that for me when I was there, I would have felt more uh, invited to the school. True. And also a lot of my friends from high school went to Stevenson. So for me, I didn't really have to make as many friends because I already knew people there. And that's part of the reason why I went there. But sometimes I I think about how my college experience would have been different if I went to an HBCU. But now that I'm out of college and I've interacted with people from HBCUs, I feel like it's like, I don't, you know, want to generalize or lump them into categories, but there's like the person that went to the HBCU to learn how to interact with white people mm-hmm. and other people in the world and then there's those who come out of the hbcu and i feel like the education that they got or the information that they got from their education was that white people were evil i do think that going to a hbcu is totally different than going to a white institution because the feel and the atmosphere and the environment you know is totally different i it's like certain atmospheres at Boyd that I don't think that I could have experienced at Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And plus, HBCUs are like totally pro-black. And that pro-blackness you don't really have at schools like Stevenson or schools like Towson. I mean, you do, right. but it's not like, it's very, you know, rare. Right. You know? It, it, that, that message of pro-blackness doesn't come with the package of going to that school. True. It's like, you know, we're happy that you're black, but at the end of the day, like, this is, we're, we're not specifically trying to, um, like, we, I don't want to say they don't care that we succeed, but it's like we want everybody to succeed, like yeah. black, white, whatever. But then black schools are like, we want black kids to yeah. be the best. Yeah, and then and then that attitude sometimes that's a great attitude, but in a historically black college, you want me to succeed, but you're not giving me the preparation that I need. I am trying to take have a career, you know, after I graduate, but I don't even have the basic skills right now. You know, and that was one thing that I struggled with in school which is why I didn't like college like that because we would get so many uh, group projects and we would get so many like projects and it was like people who didn't have the basic skill level couldn't contribute to the project. So it's like, okay, so what do I do? Do I tell on them, tell my teacher, or do I do the work? Yeah. And it's like at this point, teachers want to see you succeed regardless if you know it or not. They're like, yo, you got to add to the statistics. You got to graduate. So I'm going to get you there, but I'm not going to teach you the things that you need to know in order to mm -hmm. really get there without me just giving you a buy. And that's something that I saw tremendously at Boy. You know, people didn't come to class, but would have an A. And I'm like, yo, like. What's the point? You know, like, what? yeah, really. Like, really, what's the point? Was it your time at Bowie that you got interested in photography? Um, I was always interested in photography. Um, my grandparents raised me and they spoiled me, so they gave me everything <laughs> I wanted. I had a guitar, mm -hmm. I had a harmonica, I had a camera, and we had, I didn't have like a point and shoot, but I had a video camera and it was huge. And I used to play fetch with my cat. I used to throw this ball in the kitchen and I would record her and she would, her name was Peppa, she would go get it and I would just like work on my Zooms and mm -hmm. everything. Um, so they gave me a lot of like artsy stuff, piano, the whole nine yards. So I was always interested. But as I started to get older, um, working and having a job was kind of like programmed in my head. So I kind of stepped away from that artistic side of me and kind of was like, okay, got to get a job, you know, got to do this, got to do that. So it's like when you kind of like take a different lane of life, you kind of forget about, you know, that artsy side. But I really got into it um, when I met my friend Storm and he was somebody that I could connect with because I didn't know anybody taking photos. You know, the people I grew up with weren't taking photos, weren't, you know, writing, reading encyclopedias and stuff like that. They were, you know, just random kids, you know, might play a sport or two. But other than that, nobody really had cameras and computers back then. Um, but when I met him, we got into we really clicked and I was like, yeah, I like this guy. He's really cool. You know, he taught me a lot. Um, he inspired me a lot, too. But he died being at the wrong place at the wrong time. He got shot up. He was on his friend's porch. And I was just like, yeah, you know, like I got to keep this going for him. You know, it was an inspiration because I could, you know, create with him. And it's like, you know, I can't create with you, but I can still create and kind of like pay homage to the inspiration that you give me. Keep the spirit alive. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of just making sure that I've been into it and into it, just trying to find who I am as an artist. And it, it has happened because I did a lot of like photography at Sirius XM, a lot of photography at um, I do different types of photography, but the entire the photography that I enjoy the most is like my art.
Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of started to gain when I met him. Okay. Now, with the passing of your friend and his, uh, I guess, the wisdom that he passed on to you, is that part of what informs your creative process? Um, I will say that he he was himself. Like, he was this really tall guy with this bald head and this gap and this, like, beard. And he was always himself, you know, like he hung with us well we all hung together and he never cared about what you wore or you know if you had a camera what you could do you know like he always just always informed that you be yourself and the great thing about that it was so inspiring to just be around that type of energy to be around that type of personality that's like you know like you're yourself you are who you are I can be who I am you know so I definitely say that he has helped me you know seek inspiration and you know know when to know when i'm being creative and help me figure out you know what my lane is and everything so he's storm definitely helped out i miss him gotcha sounds like you uh you two had like a mutual sorry uh, a mutual respect for one another and a love for the photography yeah and i met him on some rant like a random day i didn't even know who he was and he just immediately started talking to me and I found out he took photos and from then it was just like, yo, from photos, it was music from music. It was videos. It was just all types of stuff, you know? So I started to blossom as an artist when I met him. Cool. What kind of music are you into? I like all types of music. Um, (laughs) Everybody says that. I know. Right. I don't like (laughs) country music and folk music, but I do like Carrie Underwood. Is she a country artist? Yes. I do like her. Um, what is it about her you like? But not she just other. has this one song. Oh, um, it it's it's a song about like uh, her like damaging her boyfriend's stuff, um, like breaking his actual stuff. Yeah, like uh, did he deserve it? He did deserve it. Okay. The, in the video, he was like cheating on her and stuff. Oh, I think yeah, that'll so. Do she was like, "I'm going to grab my keys and I'm going to do this." And <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool. But I like um. Oh, gotcha. Did you want to talk any further about it? I like Kendrick Lamar. Who doesn't, though? Some people don't give him the respect and the credit that he deserves. Um, I think that this is this is my personal opinion on Kendrick Lamar. I got two of his albums. I got uh, you know, Section 80 and Good Kid, Mad City. Um, and I've listened to part of a Tip of a Butterfly, and I haven't listened to the new Unmastered, uh, unmastered album or whatever. Uh-huh. My opinion on him is that do I think Kendrick Lamar is good, but I think that it's been so long since we've had an authentically talented MC that when he came along, people was like, oh my God, he's like the second coming of Christ and all this stuff. I'm like, he's good, but you know, he still, I think, um, got, he, he, he has to be in the game for a little bit longer until people start considering him the greatest of all time and stuff, you know? True. I will say that he's on the road to be the greatest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he because Section 80 was his first album, which was good. And then Good Good Kid, Mad City was his second album. And a lot of people, that's where they fall off, kind of like Nas. Illmatic was, I mean, Illmatic. I don't think we need to talk about it. But then It Was Written was good, but it's like didn't have the same stopping power. You know what I mean? True. Um, But I liked Overly Dedicated, too. Like, I like I've always liked Kendrick. Um, oh, so you've been a fan since the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I even saw him in concert before um, Good Kid, Mad City came out, and it was phenomenal. And I've mm-hmm. seen him like plenty of times since. 
Um, people don't give him his credit, and I do understand that it's a lot to take in because given the circumstances of hip-hop now, it's like... I'm surprised that we even have people who are even as good as they are. J. Cole, you know, uh, Kendrick. I'm surprised that there we have artists, authentically good artists, you know, musicians and MCs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everybody has their opinion about Kendrick, but <laughs> and you got to listen to that Pimple Butterfly, man, because I mean, I've, I've listened to I've listened to a good bit of it. Like, uh, I can't think of any songs now. Like, you know, Black of the Berry. All right, hood politics. What is it, Wesley's theory or something like that? Yeah, and um, a couple other tracks. But I'll give it, I'll give it a more thorough listen. I I do like I like Kendrick, but for me, I, I listen to much more like underground hip hop. I knew you were about to say that. Oh, did you? I knew you were about to say that. <laughs> so getting back to photography and your your craft, what kind of camera do you use? So I have more than one camera. Which um, one do you use the most? Um. I use this Canon um, mirrorless camera a lot because it's smaller. Um, what does mirrorless mean? So I wish I brought my camera with me. So DSLRs, the really big cameras, they have mirrors. So what happens is there's a mirror that bounces off of the sensor that creates the photo. And mirrorless, I know it sounds a, yeah, like I, a lot. I have no idea how cameras work, so that's amazing. So, it's like, so when you take off the lens, mm-hmm. you have a sensor. The sensor is like this square. It could be some of them are pretty big. Like I have a Sony, um, Sony something. I don't remember the name of it, but it's mirrorless and it's full frame and it's the sensor is beautiful. It's 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 such a big it's a big sensor. Yeah. Um, and full frame is like full frame. Some cameras aren't full frame. It's hard to explain when you really gotcha. don't know how to. You just know how everything goes. I got you. Um, but this cam, so mirror back to the mirrorless. So it had so the sensor take the photo, and the photo bounces off of the sensor to the mirror, and that's how the photo is created with cameras that are not mirrorless. But with mirrorless, the photo just comes off of the sensor. Okay. And also mirrorless cameras are much smaller. So I work at Best Buy. I've been working there for a long time. So I've been able to like have hands on with cameras. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have point and shoots, which are just basic little pocket Sonys um, that you can pull out. that don't really have too much going on. Mm -hmm. You have compact cameras, which are like in between of the SLRs and point and shoots but it's more so on a point and shoot. It won't give you too much. Like you can't control the shutter or anything like that. And okay. then you have mirrorless, which is like compact and DSLR, but lean towards more DSLR. And they're much smaller and they always have Wi-Fi, which is really good to have. What I need, I need Wi-Fi in the camera. Um, and then you have amazing to have Wi-Fi in the camera. That's yeah, crazy. and it's so crazy because DSLRs are like the go-to for good photography, but people sleep on compact cameras and mirrorless cameras because with most of those cameras, you can still use the DSLR lenses. They just have smaller sensors, but you just got to know how to work your stuff, you know, to produce good stuff. Um, I have a DSLR 60D, which is what I started off with. I like that a lot because it's really fast and it's a DSLR, so it has those features that I need. Um, I just got a film camera the other day that I'm going to start using. I like switch through cameras a lot, but I gotcha. own a few. Okay. 
can you talk to me about your photography project with uh, Tarek Touré? Yeah, absolutely. So Tarek, we went to high school together. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And he was an athlete, played football. When I got there in 2000, and um, I want to say five, I got there in 2005, he was a junior. And I remember him and the other junior saying, you know, when the seniors leave, we're going to win this championship. We're going to win. When they left, they won. Like they did a phenomenal job, and that's that's not an that's an unordinary thing for high school students in an inner city at Emerson to beat all these schools, beat county schools, schools that have the resources, you know, and kind of. But they won a champ. Yeah, they they achieved. They won a championship. They played at the Raven Stadium, and it was it was great. And I remembered him because. I remember just having so much the time in my life in high school. So um, we never spoke or anything, but I knew who he was. He was a pretty quiet guy. He didn't really say too much. Then we went to the same college. Mm-hmm. He also played football, but I didn't know him that well. So we still really didn't talk. But he, he had a few ideas that he wanted to bring my way. He wanted me to do the photography. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But those ideas were just, they just stayed ideas. We worked together a little bit, but not a lot. Then he wound up asking me to take some photos of him. And I confide in him a lot because he's like a he's a genius. Like he's like a walking library. He can pull out like facts and statistics and definitions and quotes and poems and he just pulls it out of his head. And I, I need that in my life, you know. Like he adds a perspective to my life that I don't really have. Um, so we talk a lot and I always take photos of him. He always comes for me for that. But it's crazy because the f- one of the photos that's in the front of the book I took at a museum and he was like this looked like it could be a, a book cover or something and I was just like one day one day and I just remember you know I'm always shooting I always share my stuff with him and he's always writing so he wound up saying you know I need some photos for a book and I was just like all right so I just sent him like basically everything that I had he went through and included my work as well as Kyle's. And it was my first time meeting Kyle. I didn't know Kyle until like after the book. That's Kyle you know, project. Yep. After okay. the um book project. Um, so it was just like a hey, I need some stuff. All right, cool. I didn't read anything. So I was wondering, like, well, how are we gonna do this? But I just was like, whatever, I'll send you everything and you can choose from there and blah blah blah. He was giving me the information on the book here and there and I would I always take photos of him, so I follow him around and go to his speaking engagements and where he's just spitting those poems and I'm like, Yeah, I can't wait for this to come out because what you what you, you know, delivering right now to me is just so good. So yeah. um I was excited about that. But the exhibit happened because so Jermaine is um he has a fellowship at Impact Hub. Yeah. And one thing that I like to let people know is that Impact Hub is basically a result of gentrification in Baltimore. Um Impact Hub is global but we didn't have one in um, in Baltimore, and that they use the old theater. They haven't been even been long, open that long. So Jermaine is a he has a fellowship there. He likes to make it make the place as black as possible while he can, and he does. So he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have the event here. Let's just turn it into a small exhibit." And I was just that like, was, "That's the uh, the D Watkins Tarek Ture." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, like, "Yeah, you know, why not? Let's do that." So. We went through, got some um, black and white photos. He used all black and white photos. I sent him some colors. Some of those photos, I think maybe about two photos is actually colored, but he just used them black and white. So we just kept everything black and white, and we had the exhibit, and then we had the event, which I met you there, and <laughs> it was awesome. Um, I was thankful that he did that because it just allowed me to 
being a bug. But the best thing about it is that the feedback we've been getting from people, like um, a middle school, I think in New York, ordered like a hundred books. Wow. And um, my favorite is that uh, it's an AP English class from Emerson, which is an inner city zone school that don't read books that they want to read or books that they can relate to. They read stuff like uh, Beowulf and and Bing, yeah, Bing Carson's memoir and stuff like right. that. So it's like they ordered some books. So I think 25 books for the English class. And that to me was just a blessing because it's like, yo, like we writing about our lives and we're trying to get y'all to also write about y'all lives and express yourself and tell y'all stories because it's critical for black people to tell their own stories. So hopefully it inspires them to do so. So I think that was the best thing the best outcome for me, you know, just that the kids from Emerson and all other kids are able to now read something that I've contributed to and something that Tark put his heart and soul into. So it was a great, it was great. It was a great process all around. Absolutely. It was pretty easy. Um, He had a little stress getting the book made. Um, I think he wanted the cover to be Matte, I believe. But other than that, it was a pretty easy process. It was fun too. Gotcha. So out of your entire photography career, what's your favorite photo? That I took or? Yes. Uh, I actually don't have that many photos that are my favorite. It's hard for me to judge my own work. Um, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I look at some of my stuff and I'd be like, what all right. Thinking? Yeah, what is this, you know? But Yeah, I got you. I, um, I don't even really listen to the podcast after I release it. Like, this is me <laughs> listening to it now. But then once I edit it down and release it, I... I I'll, I'll I'll never listen to it again, or I'll listen to like five minutes of it, and I'm like, so that's what I sound like. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> I do have this one photo that I took, and it's actually a part of the exhibit. It's called "Letter to My Unborn Child," and it's also I wrote something with it. Um, then along with the title is this lyric that I say. It's um, it's hard to face this world this cold world on a good day when will they let the little kids in the hood play and that's a tupac lyric and then let it to my unborn child is also the name of a tupac songs like one of my favorite songs so the photo it's a black and white photo so with black and white you can have black and white or you can have black and gray but black and gray is still considered black and white because it doesn't have any color but the 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 black it depends on how dark the black is and how white the white is if that makes sense um so it's like it's a black and white photo, but it's particularly like black and gray in a way. Um, and it's this kid. It was at a rally downtown during the um, Porter trial. And um, I remember this kid being there. And I like I like taking photos of kids. They just speak volumes to me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to use him as a muse and everything. And he I, nothing that I do is staged, so I didn't talk to him or anything like that. I kind of hugged him and stuff, but I, I interacted with him, but I didn't tell him to pose or anything. And he had a sign at first, so I got some photos of him and a sign. But then he put his hood on. He put his hoodie on. He put his hood on. He folded his arms, and I kind of kneeled down a little, and I took the photo. So the photo is him in the middle folding his arms with his hood on, which is very iconic to me because we are know what hoodies do. Um, what that means and beside him is a is a fist balled up of a man and then behind him is these two women talking in between the men the man and the women is this like protester all the way in the back you can't really tell but you can tell it's a person and then on the other side it's a 
it's another person. So it's like he's surrounded by all of this chaos. You know, not even people don't even know that it was during a rally, during a protest. But he's surrounded by, you know, a, a balled up fist, women talking behind him. He's right. just standing there with his arms folded and his hood on. And I like that photo a lot because I just connected with it. Like it was it was it was expression to me. You mm-hmm. know, I'm big on hoods. I like hoodies a lot and I like wearing my hood. I like hair and stuff on my head. Yeah. So I was able to relate to this photo. So I just kind of got inspired and I wrote something up and then I love that song so much. And so what I wrote, um, Letter to My Unborn Child, is just like a little um, passage, but it talks, it's basically a letter from a mother talking to her unborn child. And it's just about like, um, it's just about the world, you know, about the difficulties he's going to face and everything. So, yeah. Okay. So do you have any upcoming projects what are you working on now is there anything you can talk about um so right now i'm just like in the creative process of trying to um get as much work as i can for this exhibit i have coming up in may just an art exhibit um where is it gonna be at i haven't even started like (laughs) any of that like i think i'm i'm so caught up on trying to satisfy what I want in it because I have this vision of what it's going to be so I'm trying to you know photograph certain environments and you know have different types of imagery there so I've really just been doing the work haven't really even figured out where I want it to be I have a few places in mind but it is going to be in Baltimore for sure and I do know that we will have performers I it's like when you get one of us you get all of us so (laughs) You get me, you get Tark too, you get Muhammad, you get um, so many people that perform. Muhammad is our friend. Um, mm-hmm. He's a spoken word artist. He just won a poetry slam. He is the truth. Like, okay. He's the truth. So it's like when you get one of us, you get all of us. But I do have an exhibit coming up. Um, I'm actually working on my site now. It's just been so much going on that I haven't had any time to do anything. Um. I work for the Afro. I do a lot of um, work with them, the Afro-American newspaper. for them? Yep, and I write a few articles for them, too. Um, Right now, I'm working on a a Humans of New York type of series for them, Um, but it's based on people who were affected by the uprising. So I'm working on that right now, and I'm actually, I'm very big on journalism, you know, because I see the so-called journalism that's happened today, and I don't want to be... A replica of that so i'm really trying to get real stories from different perspectives you know not just protesters not just kids and families but police officers firemen you know people who profession is to respond to these type of cases so um i'm working on that and that should be out um in the april 27th edition of the afro yep of the okay. afro besides that i'm just out shooting working i don't really have any like speaking engagements or anything coming up. I just had one past women of color, like on the front lines of activism and art um, at Columbia law school the other day went really well. I spoke there just about my work. Everybody was really responsive and the other artists were really good. Everybody, the panel was wonderful. I learned a lot and it was, it was great to be able to express myself and relate to other women, you know, because the activism world, we have those type of oppressions too. men, women you know so it's like it's slightly divided as well so to be in that atmosphere felt really good and to be amongst people who don't know me and for them to say certain things about my work was inspiring and encouraging so yeah so right now 
just the series for the paper and definitely the exhibit for sure. Now, how can people look at your stuff online or get in contact with you on social media? Um, I have stuff everywhere. I have like Tumblr pages full of stuff. I have like stuff on my Instagram. Um, I tweet photos here and there. I do a lot of my like journalism work on Twitter just to keep people up to date with what's going on. Um, well, on Instagram and Twitter, I am underscore Yoshan, Y-O-S-H-A-N-N. Um, my Tumblr page is, what is it? Uh, I believe it's vanguard.tumblr, V-A-N-G-A-W-D, period, Tumblr, period, dot com. Um, I put a lot of my work on Instagram, though, just because it's right there, and I'm working on the site right now, so I got stuff everywhere. Um, and I'm I'm really active on my social media, so that's how people can get in touch with me. Gotcha. All right. Uh, this is unrelated. I just got one more question. Mm-hmm. Does my hair look okay? It's been getting really long. <laughs> I don't know if I, I should cut it or not. Does it look okay? It looks fine. Let me see the back. Turn your head. Okay. Yes, it looks fine. I actually like that. Like, it's a little matted in the back, but it looks fine. <laughs> it looks oh, yeah. fine. Don't brush it or anything. Oh. It looks fine. And you got the like beard stuff going on. Yeah, and I, I need I need the I need the, I need it to connect by the time I'm 30 or else I'm going to be upset. Oh. <laughs> it looks fine. Your hair looks fine. Okay. Let me see. Pour you, I want to touch your hair. <laughs> yes, your hair looks fine. It's nice. All right. I, I know if you comb sure. if you comb it out though. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have like a um, Absol type of like fro thing. Absol is an afro now? He wears his hair out sometimes. It's not like an afro, but he wears it out. Oh, and it's okay. it looks like an afro, mm-hmm. but it, it's not an afro. Gotcha. Um, your hair looks fine. All right. Thank the you. beard, it'll, you'll get there. You, you're not that far. You got a lot going on. I know, but I, I know this is so dumb, but I just I just want it because... Everybody, all my friends have it, and I just want it so my little sister will stop making fun. Of me. <laughs> no, I think beards are totally cool. Oh yeah, I would, I would have a beard if I was a man. <laughs> I would have a beard. As yeah. a woman, I wouldn't want one. Yeah, okay, okay. But I think beards are really, really cool. Well, to the women out there who who do have beards or do want beards, you know, you, you're gotta, still loved. Yeah, I mean, I got a few chin hairs that is like <laughs> annoying. I'm I'm really hairy. Okay, you know, too much information, but I'm really hairy and I get chin hairs, so. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, I, but I don't. I don't want it to go into a beard, though. I don't think that I can handle that much pressure. Gotcha. All right. Well, Shannon, thanks for sitting. Thank down you. With me. Thank you for the, the 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 hair confidence as well. I'll you. Keep, I'll keep going. You are styling and profiling. Right? Local Color is written, edited, hosted, directed, and engineered by me, Jason V. Local Color's website was designed using the morning WordPress theme with website hosting provided by Skylar Newman. Media hosting is provided by Blueberry Podcasting. Visit blubrry.com to learn more. Local Color's theme music is by Dame Funk and was provided with permission by Stones Throw Records. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color. <laughs>